Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, you know for 120 years, Jasmine Blaze and I have been doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's only been two years. But for 120 years, S. Pellegrino sparkling mineral water has been an iconic symbol of style and taste thanks to its Italian heritage. In a world of unlimited choices, the iconic green bottle with the red star has become a universal beacon of unique taste experiences. By the way, there's that picture of us eating in Hawaii the yeah. other day, mm-hmm. and there's just two giant Pellegrino bottle, bottles on the table, of which is kind are. of amazing. Yeah. Like we, obviously, they're a sponsor of the pod. Yeah, but, but they're I, just on, a part of our life, too. <laughs> it's, it's on every table, whether it's in the restaurants or that's when right. we're cooking at home, or even when we're in someone else's home on the Big Island in Hawaii, that's what we're drinking when we sit down uh, for our meals. So as we head into to the back half of this year plan for unforgettable meals and most memorable moments with S. Pellegrino on the table you're going to find a moment of great taste waiting to be enjoyed to unlock more tasteful moments and culinary tips visit www.sanpellegrino.com slash US that's www.sanpellegrino.com slash US Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard and Jasmine Blaze here from the Garden Island Aloha. of Kauai. Yeah. Yes, how's it, Jasmine? Kauai. How's it? It's good. It's great. We're on uh, week two of vacation and it is going really well. There you go. You've heard it from uh, Jasmine's mouth. Uh, vacation going well. We're here in Kauai. Uh, we spent a week on the Big Island before we came over here. Uh, this episode uh, is, is about... Uh, Local, the local San Diego episode. This is Brian Malarkey upcoming. Yeah, we've gotten some um, some amazing San Diego talent in recently. It's it's good. It's good to like, you know, be home and get to record some podcasts in home. And we have a couple more I think coming up, so it's good. Absolutely. And uh, since we're not home though, uh, we have been experiencing the Ono grinds, which uh, is uh, what is it? It's called pigeon, right? It's like a like a slang sort of dialect. Yeah. Don't quote me. I'm probably yeah, I think. Um, misstating something. It's a combination of a couple different, I think, languages that evolved on the island. On the island. But yeah. Ono Grinds really means some really, really tasty food. Uh, so we've been uh, experiencing some pretty amazing eats. I love Hawaii for uh, the food, the produce, obviously all of the fresh seafood. Yeah. It's, um, it's amazing. It's, the- a, it's a different... Different place out here. <laughs> yeah, and the cultural mashup really is what I really love yeah. with all of the food. Yeah. Um, just give me a Hawaiian plate lunch and I'm totally. a happy guy. Me too. Um, but one of the most amazing things that you know we, we've, we get to do when we travel like this is, one, you guide us to some pretty amazing local restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Which- well, I, I've, I think I've always enjoyed um, kind of going off the beaten path. I think uh, when I was younger, it was more because I didn't have money to go to the... the- the on the beaten path places um so i would kind of seek out the places that i could afford that were fun and um would also kind of give me a, a taste of kind of the local scene mm. well when you were younger you were eating mayonnaise sandwiches exactly that's my honest. point so that's like real, real. i love a good mayonnaise sandwich though on Wonder <laughs> Which, didn't, Bread. You, didn't you send me something that it was just in the someone... new york times like the new york times food pizza who was it sam sifton was like 
fight me. <laughs> mayonnaise sandwiches are one of the best sandwiches. I think he had tomato. Didn't he have tomato on no, it? No, he did not. No? Okay. You can do that. It's super bougie, obviously. I was going to say, like, yes. if you add tomato or cucumber, I mean, then a mayonnaise. If you add sandwiches. anything to a mayonnaise sandwich, you're making a more proper sandwich, I suppose. But a this mayonnaise is, sandwich speaks volumes about, like, your upbringing, in my opinion. This is true. But today it's going to be all about the plate lunch. It's this true. is our last day, actually, we on the island. Get one and today. I have to go hit the uh, plate some lunch. Salad. I have some token, uh, indulgence token saved up from the whole life challenge. Yep, we're on our last week on vacation here. Still trying to grind it out um, with uh, eating compliant and healthy. Yeah, grinding <laughs> while, it. Out. While there's also shave ice on every corner mm. and yeah, Mac salad on every other corner. That came on Matthew Lyons actually reached out to me, yeah. like because uh, I guess him and Carla Hall are on vacation as well or have, have done been. one on the challenge. Yeah, and uh, I specifically knew I needed two points for shave ice. Right. Yes. Like I knew that was going to be some sugar that was going to happen yes. in the six week period. Yes. Uh, so it worked out pretty great. Um, but we're back to the the local food thing. Yeah. Uh, I think people need to do this, right? Like, so you see these shows, a lot of travel shows. What Gordon Ramsay just has a new show mm-hmm. out right now where he's sort of traveling the world, and obviously right. Bourdain made a yeah. career out of it. I haven't watched it. Zimmerin, who sent me a text, by the way. About what? Andrew Zimmerin. Is he okay? Sent me a text this morning. Yeah. That was one of those time hop. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was like, here's a picture of us five years ago. It's awesome. And it woke me up. Where were you? At 6.50. I, I'm, I'm assuming it was, uh, I don't know where we were. Maybe, ah, where were we? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was like five years ago today. I feel like that would have been like one of the first times we met Andrew Zimmern, if it was five years ago. Uh, probably, uh, probably longer, actually. No, we met him or long before that, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, five years ago. Like, imagine getting woken up. Awoke, yeah. Awoken. Lovely. With a text from Andrew Zimmern. Amazing. Like, how blessed. So, so blessed. How blessed are we? <laughs> um, but go check out these local restaurants, right? So we're talking about Brian Malarkey on this podcast. Obviously, we're in San Diego. Come go to, go to our restaurant first, which we get into with Brian as there's a sort of friendly rivalry. Yes. Um, but one of the most amazing things that we did on this trip was not just go to a local restaurant. Like, enjoy your resort time, whether it's Palm Springs or wherever you're vacationing. Nothing wrong with hanging out at the resort. Nothing wrong with room service. Nothing wrong with taking... Um, you know, uh, enjoying the amenities, so to speak. Sure. But just spend a half a day going to eat some local food and or doing something that's like incredibly local. And what did we do? The most amazing thing, I think, so far on this mm-hmm. trip? We made a visit to Hanapepe Stadium and watched the uh, Waimea Menehune take on the Honoka uh, Dragons. Dragons. Right. So yes. we watched a high school football game. It came about pretty organically, actually. I don't think we would have done this had the situation not happened the way it did, mm. right? So we were um, island hopping, so we came from one island to Kauai, and uh, on our flight happened to be the entire Hanoka uh, football team. Yes, Coaches, coming from Big parents, Island. you know, chaperones, all that. Which is also just like super interesting that the high school team has to fly to play their games. Yes. Super interesting. Um, but I think that led you to look up the game they were playing. Yes. So uh, this was, uh, again, very organic. Um, and w- I went down the wormhole of researching Hawaiian high school football leagues and logos and mascots and all of that. And we found out that the Hanoka Dragons and the Waimea Menahune were going to play at Hanapepe Stadium in Kauai. And we decided that we were going to go check out a local high school football game in Kauai. Awesome. And it the was... The sun was setting. It was gorgeous. And they had like, you know, the normal concession stands you see at high school games. But this one was was selling uh, plate lunch and uh, uh, the ramen that they have here. Simon, Simon, and, yes. and like and yeah, it was just, just it was uh, great, unbelievable, Li- and um, Hing fruit and like all kinds of stuff. And the PA announcer started. He said, "Ladies and gentlemen, aunties and uncles." That's right. <laughs> and that's kind of actually 
probably why we went to go see the game because as we were flying from Big Island over to Kauai, mm-hmm. um, one of the football players that I got to, to, to sit next to had to get up out of his seat because another football player was sitting next to him. So like I was in the aisle and he was in the middle seat and we had to kind of shift seats around. And the guy said to me, sorry, uncle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you thought it was hilarious that he called me uncle. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I thought it was just, I thought it was awesome. Like not hilarious, but like I thought it was awesome. It's just like a little like, you know, glimpse of... Kind of, uh, it's part of Ohana, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, respect. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I, I mean, also took it to mean that he thought you were old. Definitely, this was true. He could have said brother. <laughs> he could have, yeah. um, but, but he, he called didn't. me uncle. I also texted Sheldon after that. Like, why is why are people calling me uncle? He did not get back to me. Sheldon, no, I'm sure he he's been on the podcast. Maybe he doesn't want to tell um, you. It means you're old. It, well, it is. It, but I also I feel like it's very like uh, I bet no know, one calls respectful. Sheldon uncle yet, except no. babies. Yeah, or his actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, but lots of fun. We went to see that football game and uh, have been enjoying uh, the fruits literally of Hawaii as we're sitting here. See, I feel like pineapple. I taught you how to travel like this. I you, feel like. You are, uh, especially in your early days of traveling, like you are just like a chicken wing room service kind of mm, guy. You're, like you're, I feel like I've brought this out of you a little bit. In every which way, I have no problem admitting this multiple times on the podcast over the last two years. You are an incredible influence on me. Uh, nothing wrong with eating chicken wings in a hotel room every once in a while, but get out on the street and do yeah. some things and uh, adventure. Uh, is uh, what makes us uh, grow and what uh, connects us as people, yeah, for sure. Uh, Brian Malarkey coming up. Interesting thing about this podcast. One, a little bit of a... There's a friendly rivalry, of right. course. You guys because, are neighbors, right. You know, Brian, and I mentioned it in the pod that, you know, he decided he was going to open up a restaurant, like literally on the other side of the wall of Juniper and Ivy, one of our restaurants. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a weird thing that happens. <laughs> and uh, he's also a Top Chef guy. But what's really interesting about... I mean, to be honest... You moved into his city first. <laughs> mm, right. So I think this is kind of the interesting part about this. And Angela Sosa was on the podcast last week. Is like if you're the big dog, the big fish in a market, in a small pond, so to speak here, if we're talking about San Diego, you know, what is the dynamics when like another named chef or a chef with like some sort of um, publicity behind him comes into that city? Uh, so Brian and I have had to navigate that. Yeah. Um, in San Diego, for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it all, I think, is on the up and up and everybody's generally in the more the merrier kind of way with that when when more Top Chef people either like go on the show in your city or move to your city. I, I think generally it's the more the merrier. But yeah, there's some interesting yeah. things that pop up when you share a wall probably. And, and this goes to, this is just in the world of like Top Chef and TV here, but of course like... You know, if you're in a town and you were nominated for a James Beard Award and then another restaurant gets nominated and it's a smaller market, like, uh, it is. It's more the merrier. Everyone's sort of one family. But Mm. things can get a little bit weird. This podcast, for sure, gets a little bit weird, I think, here and there, uh, in a good way. Okay. Uh, But fun. We've been trying to get Brian on the podcast for a while, so glad we had a chance to connect. He's going to talk about some of his new restaurants. Everyone, I want to take a second to talk about native deodorant and just how well it works. You know, native can hang out with you and uh, endure while you're working out. Right. Uh, while I you're mean, doing honestly, your I'm in Hawaii right now, and it's working perfectly in 85 degree weather and 90 percent humidity. <laughs> can I can I be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, I've used my native deodorant every day here in Hawaii. Yeah. But I've only taken one shower. 
You're in disgusting. Like 10 days because I've been in the ocean. Well, see, but that's what it's doing. Right. So, but Keep I smell like clean. delicious eucalyptus because that's how well Native works. Uh, you can check out, if you don't believe us, you can check out over 8,000 five-star reviews. You can also check out Native on the Today Show, Women's Health, L, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and more. Uh, and with Native, less is more. They have fewer, simpler ingredients, and you know all the ingredients that are in their deodorant. Uh, and although Native is priced at a slight premium when compared to conventional deodorants, it's safe and effective. It comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. I love that it doesn't have aluminum in it, which I think is amazing, and that's what I look for in any deodorant that I buy. You are. You are, yeah. I mean, it's safe to say, in a good way, a tree hugger. Yeah, uh, you in got a good way. Kind yeah. of a, a kind of hippie. Uh, you love, is it the coconut and vanilla? That's my flavor. They do smell delicious. I love the eucalyptus and mint. Eucalyptus is just one of my favorite flavors of all time. There's no risk to try since they offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S. Plus, you can unsubscribe and uh, save 17%. Save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, or four months. Seriously, this is a product that Jasmine and I both are using. So get on board. Get some Native. For 20% off of your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code STARVING during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and promo code STARVING at checkout so you can smell delicious. Uh, We are going to go... Eat some more uh, plate lunch. Plate lunch, and go get some of these Ono grinds done. So uh, let's get right to it, Jasmine. What do you think? Yeah, Brian Malarkey. Oh, you came with swag, brother. I did. I brought this for you, you and uh, Jasmine. It seems like yeah, Jasmine's not with us, sadly, because she's with the kids at a doctor's uh, thing. Uh, But you, you're you're getting right into it. You brought. You know that I'm a, a flat brim. Mesh back. I knew it. I thought of you. I knew the hat was going to be perfect for you. So I I, I got you white. We had black, but all the black is gone. So I didn't know if you wanted to be the you know the good guy or the bad guy. Kind of switch it up. Oh, are you going? You're like going Westworld on me right off the bat. You know what? Straight up. Have you watched Westworld? Uh, Yes. Did they ever make more seasons? The first season got a little weird when they all escaped. I kind of quit watching after that one. Yeah, it's coming back in the spring. Nice. Uh, And uh, so like so then are you? You brought the white hat for me. You're wearing the white hat. I'm definitely. I feel like a golfer though in a white hat. But it's nothing, uh, it, nothing wrong with it. It's really hot out there right now, and I just think the white hat. And actually, uh, we got the black hats, and obviously nobody liked the white hats because I'm the only one that has them, and I got you one. And the staff stole all the white. Ha- I mean, all the black hats immediately. Oh. So if I had to choose, I'd choose the white hat. So I yeah, appreciate right? it. Yeah. Um, but to the Westworld question, so you're familiar with the show. Yeah. So if you came in and you you're 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 in Westworld. Uh, do you choose the white hat or do you choose the black hat? Is well, Brian Malarkey I don't know a if you villain or a hero? I actually was a cowboy. I was raised as a cowboy on a ranch in Oregon. And we actually I, – I high school rodeoed and I was a cowboy who wore a hat on the weekends. I wore my Levi's during the week and my Wranglers on the weekends. Um, but I was definitely a white hat guy. But had I been able to redo it, I think I may have gone a little bit more black hat. You mm. know? Okay. So in real life, you're a white hat. But I think if you're going to Westworld, then you're throwing the black hat on. For sure. Okay. For sure. Now so. you were so you were a cow you were you, you were a cowboy and a rancher. I remember that coming up in a Top Chef episode. Yes, right. Oh, the one I got kicked off. Was by. it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, ironically, I got kicked off by the Cowboys. That so. is horrible, and like that was in, totally unintentional. So that that's the, like the, the people always ask like when you're on these shows, is there an episode that you like or you loved being on? Yes, and it's obviously one that you do really well in. And then when they're like, is there an episode you don't like? And it's the one that you don't do well in. 
Yes. So yes. yours is so I just brought up that bad man. I'm, I'm, so I'm that, that's host. true. So I had a wonderful time on season three um, back in the day and had a nice run. Made it to the finale in Aspen, and it was Casey Hong and Dale and I, and Eric Rapar was uh, was the judge. But it was go cook for the Cowboys, and it was elk mm-hmm. challenge. That's and right. And it's a funny one where I put like a hundred ingredients on one elk shank, and that was my oh, go, my that's- go home. So that sounds like like my cuisine. A like hundred <laughs> ingredients on on something. Yes. Now you're much you're like embracing uh, simplicity. More much more food, so. Right? I mean, yes. I am. I'm kind yes. of oh, assuming it, you are as well, right? It's, I think uh, I think what it is, and I think as as we get older as chefs, we get more comfortable with our style of cuisine. I was actually listening to uh, Tim Hollingsworth on your. Um, oh. On your podcast the other day, and I really took to heart what he said when he said that um, he's very comfortable. And his cuisine now. And it's just what it is. It's what's developed. And when you're young, you're so experimental. And you're always trying to do different things mm-hmm. and really trying to figure out who you are. But I think, I think where you're at and where I'm at maybe right now, it's like this is what I do. This is what I like. And this is what seems to be very well received. Right. So is, is, it, does it, is that just because like you want to say it's because we're wiser? But is it? But or maybe it's trial and error. Yeah. I, or so, is it because we're old and lazy? <laughs> like this is, right. Like I mean, I, and I because we're talking about it in the same perspective. Like it's like my food is much simpler than it was three or five years ago. You yeah. Know, well, your, your food like when was, I was much your, younger. Your food landed ago. on the moon. So that's what it, but in a way, but like, was it because that's what I wanted to do? Was I trying to get more attention? You know, was I just trying to show off? Yeah. You know, and is now you know you are you comfortable? Here's where I'm going with this. Are you comfortable with the – are you a restaurateur? Um, I would say I, I am still very heavily chef-driven, mm. but I see through the eyes of a restaurateur Yeah. Now. See, like this is – I could see it in your eyes when I ask a question. Like there's this struggle that you have obviously as I, I do as well as a chef to sort of like admit – Give that up. <laughs> or like to admit that you're a restaurateur. For me, it's because in my mind, like when I hear restaurateur, it's like a guy in a – it's Drew Neoporin, basically, yeah, right? It's yeah. like a guy in a suit, and like he comes in. and Which is says, a good thing, which is a great thing. Right, right. But it's, uh, it's more like maybe the coach of the team rather than mm. the star player. You that's, know? What the, that's what the restaurateur is. The restaurateur is the coach. Right. right? And, and I think we still want to be LeBron James. We still want to be playing the game. Oh. You know? well, you're, like, that's why you're successful. Like, you want to <laughs> be LeBron James. I just want to be the 13th player <laughs> I don't on think a so. team. Like, you want to <laughs> be the absolute superstar. But it is weird. It's, I, I think every chef that I ask that question to, I think they say restaurateur, but there is. Like, and I saw it in your face. There's like, and look, you have a whole crew here with I us. I do. I have like, my there's team. a slight little, like, like a cringe moment of like, oh no. Like, if I'm a restaurateur, it means I'm not a chef anymore. You don't ever, I, I think it's in the fact that, I mean, there's a ton of creativity in restaurateurs also, but mm-hmm. I think it's also, um, you know, we, 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 grew up with uh, the Anthony Bourdain books and the idea of being the pirates and working in that kitchen and the hot and the, the creativity and the, the team the teamwork and being together with your crew and stuff like that. And when you say restaurateur, you would essentially be pulling yourself out of that. And I don't ever want to leave that world of like being with your people and developing dishes and flavors and talking ideas. And exactly. I love that. Cause we're, you know, using back to the LeBron James thing, like we're in an industry where you can still be a player coach is what you're really saying. Yes. Right? Because I like, like there was, I think in, you know, you're, 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 you're a cowboy, but like sports, you're, yes. you're familiar with, Sports, very generally. much so. Okay, yes, here you yes. go. I know you're you're into things. Um, but like Pete Rose, at one point in his career, was a player coach. 
which yes. is incredible to think of right now. And I guess LeBron is probably I think he's definitely part a player coach, coach yeah. and probably <laughs> part owner. I, I would assume so. I think a lot of these basketball players, I think if you look underneath the hood and maybe even like a Tom Brady, does he why does he have such a small contract for such an important role, you mm. know? Probably because he makes so much money, money doing other else. things yes. that and he's uh, you know, he doesn't need to really rely on his salary. I'm just guessing. We'll have to get Tom Brady on the podcast. Yes, there you go. And we'll have to bring him here to Farmer and the Seahorse where yeah. we're recording. Yes. Which brings me to my next uh, Farmer and the Seahorse. I love the name. It's one of the weirdest names of a restaurant I've ever, I've ever heard. Yes. I, I mean, with, with, with respect and admiration. Yes. How do you come up with names? It's of almost like a children's novel or a children's book. There's no children novels, Ooh. children books. Um, so anyway, let's back it up a second. I came in pretty hot here. I came in a little bit late, and I just want to say thank when you, you so much. Come, when do you not come? <laughs> when does Brian Malarkey not come into a room super hot? I like up? that. That's true. Um, my, my wife would say never, and she can't stand it. <laughs> Um, but I'd like to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, big fan, big fan of you. Love watching you come up. We kind of came up together through the same ranks and sure. same thing. And it's kind of fun to to watch where we've gotten and where you've gotten. And we share a wall. Mm. You know, we share a wall in Little Italy. That's pretty amazing. So yes, okay. So all right, that was going to come up at some point. So you're, <laughs> you're, you don't want to talk about how you come up with awesome names for oh, restaurants. Let's, we can go right there. Farm and the Seahorse. Um, our group here that we're partners with in these management deals. Um, Ari. Yeah. Um, hired an outside firm to say, and we had come up with Green Acre right. and some other really fun names, and we were doing great. And they're like, well, we're going to use this really big fancy firm, and they're going to do this. And they came up with a, uh, the name, and it was going to call be called The Blue Strawberry. Mm. And I was like, you guys know we have organic gardens, and we want to be really fresh and like close to the sea and all of these amazing things. And I said, you want to name this restaurant Blue Strawberry for – it's a science mm. campus here, and there's relevance. And I was like, that is the worst name I've ever yes. heard. So we sat in the room with their guru of uh, name and design and marketing, and we essentially – tried to come up with the craziest name ever right. really to try to like turn Aries you know attention elsewhere and we're like all right so it's going to be called Farmer and the Seahorse we're here by the ocean and all that and they fell in love with it nice <laughs> and so you flipped it on them basically. we flipped it on yeah. them and now now we love it and uh it's it's worked out well. Everyone just refers to her as farmer, and uh, but it is a very cute and fun name yeah. and a wonderful place. No, and and to be clear, like I love the name, right? Because it does have that like uh, you said children's book sort of sort of thing going on. But it's a name you're not going to forget. Just like I guess Blue Strawberry would be as well. It's a purple cow. Speaking of great purple, names. You have your marketing, you have names, your marketing uh, The greatest here. name ever may be one that you have actually put on your building, and that is called the Crack Shack. Ooh, Crack Shack. Crack Shack. Yes, yes. Day um, one, you never, ever forget the Crack Shack. When mm, I first heard him true. say the Crack this Shack, is, I was like, no way. Yeah. No I, way. And, and just like you, I mean, there's always stories behind the story of how something happened. And, I, and to be honest, I was not sure about the name. It was not – I didn't come up with it. And I, I probably even like sort of like pushed back on it a little bit, but now, uh, in hindsight, it certainly it worked out pretty well. It's for genius, sure. and it's next door to the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's next door to the restaurant where, chef, we share a wall. We share a wall. Now, I, I would, I, I gotta, we gotta keep this real. Like this is you, I, you are a pioneer here as far as like you really launched. San Diego, right? Appreciate I, I mean, it. Yes. I, I, this is true. Like, I know you're going to say no, that's not the case. But, like, there's no way that I am in San Diego if you're not successful in San Diego. Yes. And then you're, like, blowing up. you got restaurants all over the place. You're, like, the celebrity chef of San Diego. I come to town. 
we have a little bit of success, and then you decide to open up a restaurant, not only next door, not in the same town, not in the same neighborhood, but on with using the same wall. I wanted to welcome you to town. So um, I, this was—I don't know if I'd call I, that welcoming. <laughs> to town. This is a this is a friendly rivalry, if you will. I, I yes, and, and like I know that Burger King opens up next to McDonald's. I know that this happens. But like a, the same wall, the same, same wall. Like you could knock on the wall and be like, "Hey, Blaze, I drilled the hole through there." Yeah, I, well, this, well. this is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand this. I understand this. Yes, yeah, so um, you open up right next door. So it's a funny story. And taking this back, um, you know, uh, we got to know each other in the early days of our Top Chef uh, life and and hanging out and having fun. You know, really got to know each other. The good old days. The good old days. And then I remember seeing you at the Aspen Food and Wine Festival one year, and I was. You're right. I was the only celebrity chef in San Diego, and I had like my little dominance down here in my town and everything was great and i remember seeing you at the aspen food wine festival mm. and you were wearing a san diego charger hat oh and i was like gil blaze what's up and yes. you're like going i'm moving to town and i was like what <laughs> my town man and and i'm i'm a top chef you're the no, top no, chef yes a, look, look now, now the niceties are flowing yes um but no i, I mean to, to back and, it up again. And, on, and all honesty, I thought your restaurant where you put Jay and I was too far out. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, Blaze, you should have asked me. I think you're too far ahead of yourself. Um, you know, you always hear that I'm going to the developing neighborhood. Sure. And it's, it's, it's always, you know, financial risk and everything like that. And you guys blew up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they didn't go too far. Even coined a new phrase called uh, North Little Italy. Now yes. we even have a restaurant called Nolita Hall. Yeah. And uh, no I – Noli is an interesting name for a neighborhood. Right? Yeah, north of Little Italy. Area. North of Little yeah. Italy, and the idea of that that building. So I was having my ins and outs with my restaurant group at the time, and the building next door to you was just the most beautiful, built to be a restaurant building ever. And I thought, what amazing um, energy we could bring to one neighborhood. And it really has blown up and really is really fun neighborhood to come dine at and check out. Truly, yeah. I mean, uh, in all honesty, I would have liked if you just went a couple blocks <laughs> down the street. But it, ha- it kind of has worked out. It's become someone I, I just saw. might have been our friend Troy. I don't even know who. Yes. But someone called it like Top Chef Alley now yes, or something like that. that. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. <laughs> the luxury package you got after a big promotion. The dent on the fender when you dropped a bunch of coconuts out the back of your truck when you were heading across the island. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions navigation and moonroof watch as they bump up your value high mileage well you already knew it was going to cost you but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead once you're finished you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in so when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car check out true car today true cash offer not available in all areas i'm always very clear even if there is a friendly competitive rivalry uh, in the business world that like I I wouldn't be in San Diego if it wasn't for your success. Like you you had to launch what is like comfortable, you know, upscale but not too stuffy dining. For sure. And for me to come out to San Diego, I had to come out and, you know, eat in one of your restaurants and see what you were doing and see the hundreds and hundreds of people that you were packing in each and every day. So uh, thank you. Well, you thank you, San Diego. I wouldn't th- be here. San Diego loves having you and the uh, national attention you've brought to San Diego, also. But so. now, so okay. So, so if if you and I are the big dogs, and now this is where it gets. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess maybe someone disagrees with us knocking on the wall. Uh, if you and I are the big dogs, now you got all these other Top Chef kids coming to town, though. 
right? Like I'm going to be, you know, who I'm going to talk with uh, in, two, in two days. Angelo, Angelo Sosa. Angelo I'm Sosa. Podcast. He's still having great success, and it, you'll appreciate this. I'm going to open across the street from him in about oh, two months. So, so, <laughs> first of all, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard, right there. Um, is you're going to do, you're going to blaze Angelo Sosa. Yes, you're gonna, I you're like gonna, that. You're going to open, are you going to open up though on the same wall with him or no? You're going to be. No, I'm just ar- across the street. And uh, Encinitas is a cute little town, so that's not very far away, not very far away at all. And what place is it? This is, Ur- this is Urban Sea. Urban Sea. Yep. All right. Oh. So keeping it in the family here. Yes. Um, so you're going to go after Angelo's uh, North County success up I th- there. I, you know, I actually ran into Angelo uh, last week and he was super excited because uh, Encinitas doesn't have a lot of people with like a little bit elevated food you know it's much more of a beer and burger and tacos and stuff like that and a great town wonderful beach town um but the the people that live up there you know young families up and coming and uh, they want more places to eat and he's had just incredible uh, success with death by tequila and which is we love to see um we've actually been in production longer than death by tequila was because that's how slow it is to get through the city of encinitas mm-hmm. as we it's taken us about a year and a half almost two years to get through all the permitting the city the abc licensing the city groups and everything like that and we're really excited to be going but he go, he went into a venue that had a kitchen and he really turned it over fast but he's doing wonderful and we love having him in town too yeah he's in, he's i haven't spoken to him in a while face to face um but I always say when people ask me about like my top chef experience, I got to compete with him. Uh, and he's like one of the most talented chefs that I've ever worked with. Like, I mean, there, and it's just like I say, like I'm in San Diego and like, you know, competing with you and like you made me a better chef coming here. Same thing with Angelo. Like when I competed with him, like, you know, you have to sort of rise to your competition. Yeah. Uh, and his flavor profile, the whole Jean Georges thing it's great it's great i think it's great that uh san diego was able to land him and he's like i said he's doing great and our good friend troy just had a beautiful beautiful article on him i think a few weeks ago um and the food looks fantastic does troy not write beautiful articles anymore (sighs) i I think i think troy place he loves angelo's place he doesn't write that about me (laughs) no come on now (laughs) come on i feel like this i I think there's a troy and i I mean because i'm in the media now yes i think troy because this podcast rates better than troy's i love it yes it does no (laughs) no no offense san diego magazine there you Uh, go no i actually don't know if that's true i'm just making that let's go with it i like it that's a claim that i actually don't have the metrics or the marketing analytics to sort of back up Mm. um speaking of troy and uh the television world i mean where like you again sort of it, it certainly helped to be to go through your top chef run Yes. Uh, to have all of the television experience that you've had. You've hosted a network show, all of these sort of things. Where is Brian Malarkey these days when it comes to like food media and television? And um, This is hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, crushing it right now. I just got off of local KUSI this morning okay. <laughs> where I was promoting uh, brunch with Brian at the Del Mar horse races. Right. Um, you know, we, we had, what is, wait, hold on. What is brunch with Brian at the Del Mar? I live in Del Mar. I know this is amazing. So, okay. uh, it's so much fun every Sunday in the turf club for the six weeks that they run the Del Mar horse racing meet, um, chef Barry from the track and I have put together a menu. And so you can go up there sit in the turf club, trying to introduce the track to a younger generation of people to go out and enjoy horse racing. And so we've done it for three years now and you go out there, you pay your money, you wear your jacket, you take your jacket off, you bet you have fun. And so we just like to do some promotions on that. And okay. op- tomorrow is opening day at oh. Del Mar, so, so you'll traffic jams everywhere. Yes, because you are. Are you still a? I mean, you're wearing the, the sort of the baseball hat here, but you're you were you were probably the first top chef person 
to rock like cool hats. Hats, yeah. yeah. We went from fedoras maybe not to even cowboy hats. I don't like the fedora might be <laughs> just all your faults. Like this, this could like, be. I, the, like, the, the, I, you know what? Maybe it's that Macklemore song, you know, about the thrift shop and wanting to wear grandpa's clothes because I've always had a fascination. I got my cardigan in, this, in the car right now. I got my grandpa's uh, hats on. Right. And so uh, maybe, You've always been, but I mean, again, uh, you've always been like a, a fashionable guy, right? right. Is this... I don't. And you say like you're. Some, I, I think my wife cowboy. refers to it as a fashion disaster at times. So. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't think so. Are you? You first of all. You. I mean, you have a stylist. I'm assuming. Uh, Derek is my. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Well, you're I, going. I, that, that makes he's rocking like the th- Jordan threes. I know. Like I didn't, real. Like I didn't say anything to you when I came in. We were sitting. I was like, I want to compliment him on his frames and his kicks. So yeah, so, so Derek Finnegar is here with us right now, and he works on our marketing uh, campaigns and helps us out a lot. Um, if you hear what I just said, Derek Finnegar, and in our culinary world, there is a famous, famous chef named Susan Finnegar. Yeah, who's been a guest and on this the is, podcast. This is nephew right here. Um, un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. But like, usually when you're also like a, um, related to uh, another famous person, you don't want to blow up your spot, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Like, so you just blew up a spot, right? On it's interesting. Right. You know, it's he's uh, the marketing guy that has how many followers on Instagram do you have? Like 32? It's like the, the, pe- <laughs> the, the people who do the business, they don't do it. You know, when I was younger before kids, my dad would come to my house and he goes, the chef has no food in his fridge. Right. You know, the marketing man has no followers on his Instagram account, but he drives up all of ours. But so. yeah, he's got 30,000 plus working for at least one of your restaurants. Yep, yep, um, well. And the, the frames and kicks alone, I think, um, sort of just showcase. How how great he's doing! You're doing you're doing good. Um, good speaking of Susan, though, like how how incredible is it to see like chefs like her, like Mary Sue, like Jonathan Waxman, that are you know uh, a click more experienced than us, further down the road in their celebrity chefdom, a lot further down the road yes. than you and I, um, that have managed to evolve with what we're talking about marketing with media, with the digital world. Uh, what are your, I mean... Uh, that, that, it, it's incredible because, you know, at times, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel dated also and we're trying to stay relevant in this world like that That Billie Eilish, the singer. Yeah. I'm like, duh. I don't get her. I mean, I, have I finally gotten old? You know, like, I just don't really understand what she's singing about and there was a concert and my daughter wanted to go and I was like, do you dance to that music? What do you do? I don't understand I it. I mean, did you not listen to Fiona Apple at some oh, point? Oh, yes, like, yes, I mean, yes. There, there are these The arts. angst and the driven anger. Exactly. The, there's, the, there's this, you know, sort but, of uh, like... But hanging out with Susan Fenneger, as you said, she, she is so relevant and so up on it and so much fun and she's going to the Valle Food and Wine Festival with Nancy Silverton and all of the... And Jonathan Waxman will be down there. They're all going to be down there. The icons are going to be down there. And they're just so much fun and they, they're really... They're, they are just maintaining their hipness and really keep pushing the envelope and just really fun to, to see people because a lot of the times, you know, you see young hot chefs come through the industry and now they're, you know, Costco reps or whatever they are. I mean, uh, Cisco reps or whatever they are, they, right. they fizzle out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not very many people that continue to, you know, run at a high caliber all the way through their careers. Right. Well, it's a, a skate or die sort of situation, right? Touché but I mean, I think that that's, again, when I, it, it makes me feel good because like if you, um, focus on it there's a career 20 years from now yes yes um which is amazing and to be able to evolve though because um like a jonathan waxman as the example could just have been like you know kids these days yeah and like that's not what i do and now he's like every, everybody wants to meet and hang out with jonathan waxman and you know <laughs> right and he's on every show and like he's he's entering his well he's always been sort of known as like the jedi yeah but like he's into like 
Yoda mode, basically, where everyone sort of just, you know, wants to be around and, and absorb the knowledge. Same with Susan and Mary Sue. And, For sure. Um, so my question then is like, so what if you have to like think 20 years from now for you, what are you what are you doing in 20 years? Are, um, you, are you grinding? Is it, is it the same thing or do what like where's the the 20 year vision for? Brian Malarkey. Big question. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I really enjoy the creative process of the whole thing and really putting together the concept, the design, the menu, the team, and really building it out. And it never has felt like going to work for me. It's always fun. It's always exciting. You know, we're not bankers. Every day is a new day. There's new product. There's new, you know, dilemmas and excitement and people coming in and making people happy. So um, I I foresee my, my business partner, Chris Puffer, says he'll be long gone living on a uh, an island somewhere, but um, I really love the idea of continuing to push the envelope and learn from the the process and having fun. Yeah, I love that because like it it is, and um, you know, people ask me like you know when you're talking to younger people or you're like doing a talk for like you know uh, culinary students or something like that, it's like it, it, I don't feel like I go to work. Like this is work. Like I don't, I'm I'm looking around the room to the other people that are here, but like to me, this is not work. I'm hanging out with friends. We're talking about you know food things that we're passionate about yeah and uh you know i hate to say like oh we're living the dream but it's kind of what you're saying it's like well yeah i just want to continue to keep doing this because like i mean when you got into this business you probably didn't get into it to be a television star no i just i I think same as most young chefs coming up i just wanted to have my own restaurant you know do my own menu do my own recipes train my own staff and, you know, and then you do it and you're like, well, that was fun. We should do this mm. again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, do you think that when you have now younger, you have chefs coming in, you have, you know, uh, you know, members of your team coming in, are, are you seeing that because of your success and because of the success of food media that there are, there are cooks that want to be the next top chef or want to go on Food Network and they're not quite as focused on just cooking and doing the small things right i I saw that a lot more five years ago i I think it was very very hot you know when when you know i mean i was on top chef 11 years ago that puts you at like 10 years ago and the idea of everybody wanting to be like the insta famous like get in on these shows and the the chopped and the cutthroats and all these different game shows that you could do um it really excited the industry and we had all of these young people that came in and they worked garmanger for a week and they want to be a sous chef Mm -hmm. or they want to go do something on their own um, I think the dust has settled on that whole, like, I want to be a superstar chef really quick. And I just don't know if that, because everybody wants to be involved in, you know, um, my kids, all they, they want to do is play Fortnite and these video games Oof, and okay. all these other things. So I don't, now I think you'll agree, it's hard to find young, hungry people or young people that even want to get involved. The, the talent pool is a little bit thin right now and the ones that are there are the ones that are actually like grinders that don't like to talk to people and i have a lot of these really good young chefs that are not wanting to be on tv they don't right. like that idea of being yeah. tv they're more the craftsmen the workers and stuff like that because when we came up tv wasn't even really an option you know i mean top chef certainly changed that there was a little niche of food network people and stuff but you in order to get to where we were we had to Work in Garmanger, the pantry, butcher, all the unspectacular things, you know, the back in the old days, work 60, 70 hours a week and get paid for 40. You yeah, know? I think actually for me, I think it's um, you're right. But I think it was the, the shift in food television. It was just, you know, competition, competition. It still kind of is. But then you started seeing things that are more produced that are, you know, chef's table 
esque, spectacular. That are you know showcasing more like oh no, this is a chef in the restaurant and this is what they do. And so I still think young cooks are like watching, you know, involved in media, but they're like oh I can just I'll do that and one day. I'll have a camera following me around the farm. And, and then the good thing about Chef's Table is it does show that it takes a lot of work and dedication and knowledge and understanding and very you know, forward thinking to become these incredible people that we get to see on Chef's Table. I'm, 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 I have a confession. I've never seen an episode of Chef's Table. <gasps> I oh know. Oh, my gosh. Or Mind of a Chef or any of these sort of right? – it's the same thing. No, they're different shows, right? Oh. Uh, and that's – Chef's I, Table it, is just so beautifully shot. No, I know it's they're so, beautiful. And I, the thing is I've never seen them, but I know exactly what they are, yep. which is – no, that sounded like a total douchey thing to say. But <laughs> um, like you know, the, the celebrating the craft of cuisine. you know. But there's a part of it that also – as much as like um, – frantic frenetic competition and cooking from a vending machine bothers me so does the soft violin playing over brian malarkey in front of the tractor at farmer and his seahorse plucking a young carrot from the soil yes yes talking yes. about you know like there's just both of those just irritate me but i think it's more just because i'm like miserable <laughs> than anything else make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the ap news minute Get ready to get motivated with The Good Life with Stevie and Cezanne on Podcast One. The YouTube and blogging power couple warm hearts, inspire minds, and captivate listeners through intimate stories and powerful conversations with people who are making an impact, from major celebrities to everyday people. Download The Good Life with Stevie and Cezanne every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. You got a new channel working or something? Uh, right? Yes, you? Derek right here. Uh, he talked me into doing... Oh, Derek uh, with 30 followers on Instagram. Derek, way, yeah. Like blew him up and now it's, that's going to be like his, his sub bio. And he was like, hey, you should do a podcast. And I was like, I'm not going next door to Richard Blaze again. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. You should yeah. open it up with the same, with podcast one. And just hey, no, we're going to turn this around right now. Tuesday afternoons <laughs> and not Tuesday Monday. I like that. You should, you should, that would be great. Um, so we, we've just been shooting a lot of content and doing a lot of videos. And we have a couple of really great uh, people that just do a beautiful job of shooting it. And we thought it'd be really fun to try to just kind of do the little snippets of, uh, you know, the, the dish you get at the restaurant done in a practical way at home or just, you know, cooking with the kids or doing really fun, easy things. It's called coasting with Brian Malarkey. That's me. And, um, it's just, it's been really fun and just kind of, you know, keeping, keeping relevant and having fun and really kind of exploring really simple, fun, easy dishes that kind of go along with summers and hanging out around the, the beach and coasting and eating mm. seafood. Things I, like I love it. the most. I, you know what I love about the title coasting? It's very much like this podcast, Starting for Attention. Yes. It's got like a good meaning and a bad meaning. Like <laughs> coasting, like we're just chilling, like we're doing it. Or coasting, like we don't care very much. You yeah. know, starving for attention, like... The podcast is meant to grab attention, right? Yes. But it's also like, please come look at us. Like you said, like it's time to stay relevant and all these sort of things. Um, how, like, do you feel like YouTube channel, Instagram, TV, whatever it is, like, do you see a difference in those worlds at this moment? Um, you know, I, I just find, I guess, that with young kids and what's going on around the house, and um, it's just evolved and changed so much. Um, even back when we were on Top Chef, it was, there wasn't a lot of choices. There wasn't this huge, there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't all of these things. There wasn't Instagram. We didn't have any of these things the first time around on Top Chef. And so the impact was huge, just mm -hmm. absolutely huge. And in all honesty, I haven't watched Top Chef for many a seasons now. 
Um, and the idea that, you know, there's, there's just so many different outlets to be entertained or to find information on. So it certainly has changed a lot. Um, I don't watch a lot of YouTube channels, um, but my kids like tell me how many followers or subscribers I have. And they're very into it because all they want to do is watch Ninja and they want to watch this and they want to watch this and they know who's relevant and what's going on. And these are young kids. Yeah. And it's pretty wild to see how the media is evolving. Right. But you have to listen to your, like, you have to listen to your kids. Like, hey, dad, listen to some Billy Ellis. You got to get <laughs> a, You got to get a Twitch account. And you yeah. got to start playing some Fortnite. This is the key. Oh, my God. But it is. It's the same. I mean, what you just said basically is at some point in a conversation like this, we're talking about Susan a lot, Jonathan, we're talking about them a lot on this podcast. Someone had this conversation with them. Like, no, hey, it's uh, Food Network. Yep. It's Top Chef. Yep. Go do these things because this is the way that the world's moving. So it's just being like smart and evolving. And yeah, kind of I think that's along. all we're doing is trying to see what's um, going on. And Brian Malarkey, stay relevant. halfway through the podcast, usually near halfway through, we like to play a game. Yes. Uh, are you down to have some fun? I know you are. Yes. You're, you're a fun-loving guy. So um, this is the easiest crafted game ever on Starving for Attention because your last name is Malarkey. Yes. Right? right. Yes. So um, it, it, it enables some fun, just like Blaze does, some punny Sort of title. So this game is called Bunch of Malarkey. Okay. Right? As right coined famous by um, Joe Biden, right? And his run yes, in 2012. He, yes, he did. Okay. About that. So here we go. So uh, I'm going to mention something, and then you let me know that this is a bunch of malarkey, or it's Brian Malarkey, maybe. All right. right? So a bunch right. of malarkey, like you're not down with it. Yeah. Brian Malarkey is I'm down, down with it. it. Sounds yeah. good? Yeah, okay. yeah. So here we go. Fine dining is dead. The tasting menu and fine dining and white tablecloth is dead. As much as I thought it was, I might give long explanations on this, or I might just no. Dry. I want you. You, you go. Um, you as much as I, I thought it was dead, I really kind of see a resurgence in it recently, and I think maybe it just happened down here because Michelin came to town mm. and everybody got all hyped up. Um, congratulations, you got some recognition. Oh uh, yeah, we got a Bib Gourmand, which is incredible. Yeah, yes. and like that's the team. So shout out to uh, Anthony Wells and the team over there. As you know, the the the, the guys and girls who are doing it every single day. Yeah. So congratulations on that. So it really kind of fired everybody up about kind of like relooking at it and the fact that we haven't had Michelin down here in Southern California and some other smaller cities in California. Um, it really kind of got everyone fired up. And even like the Modern Luxury magazine I saw yesterday that showed up had Addison's Dish. And it was just clean and tight and super well presented. And it's not the kind of food that I'm doing currently right now. Um, but people are starting to talk about doing these like more elaborate. And I, maybe it flows with the economy. When the mm. economy is really kind of rising as it is right now, maybe people are willing to spend more money on these really in-depth experiences. Um, when I go hang out, I have a very short attention span. Do you? Oh, my God. Yeah. You're doing so, well for the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm really tuned in. They gave okay. me some – what was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea of sitting there for two and a half hours, course after course after course. Two and a half? These are four-hour experiences. Sometimes. I couldn't do it. Okay. I, I just couldn't do it. I – you know, I have a hard time sitting down for a normal dinner. Okay, um, so is this just a personal thing, though, or is this like I think it's personal, but I do, I do believe well? uh, that people are starting to really get into the, the multi-course intense dinners again. Okay, so, you, so you're saying that it is uh, Brian Malarkey. I would say You're down with it. Yeah, but Brian Malarkey, but back. not being down with it. So it's a little bit of both. A, a little, it's, it's a bunch a, of malarkey. Or a lot of malarkey. There we go. There, there we go. <laughs> um, I agree. So tasting menus, I think, for some reason I do. I feel like they're kind of, they can come back. Um, let me quick little sidebar question on that one. Um, are they, is it a good business plan to do a tasting menu, fine dining 
restaurant. So we're, we're removing ourselves from the, the, the chefs and going to the restaurateur. I think it's a, a horrible business move, actually. Um, I, I think that... So I you're mean, a restaurateur. I knew it all along. <laughs> the idea of, of my restaurants are, are large format, large seats, large bar, large this. And, you know, when you're kind of generating that money and flowing, when you, when you kind of take, you can't have that large energy when you're doing this set course menu. It's got to be kind of a little more quiet, a little more, mm-hmm. you know, conversational and a little bit more that. And so you're not able to run people through there. And I really like um, my dinners to be, you know, loud and fun and story. And as much as food and wine and cocktails and all of that is part of the environment, at the end of the day, I really find that I like to eat for the conversations that I have, yeah. the people I'm with. That's more important than anything. And so those tasting menus are what's on the plate, yeah. what's in the glass. And that's the conversation. And that's the really hyper thing you're looking at. And so it's, it's not the celebration of life that brings people together. And it's even slower. So I don't think you can generate as much money, even though you can charge more once. You can't do multiple turns and stuff. Got it. I agree on all aspects. And also just like you cook what you want. I, I think you just really um – you know, um, you're, you're illustrating what your restaurants are all about. Like, there are places you want to come, hang out, have a good time, eat great food, share the food, but pass it around, have it be. It's a social uh, experience, not just yeah. I'm worshiping at the altar of, of of this one chef. Okay, next one. Is it a bunch of malarkey? Food delivery is the next big <sighs> thing. Food delivery and food delivery apps and services. That's where we're heading. There's going to be no more. Brick and mortar restaurants. It's just going to be robots delivering. I'm scared of this, and this is a good one. Uh, Catherine over here is like, are you saying don't answer? Or everyone uh, here, everyone in this room, <laughs> all five of us, the so four of the five of us are um, scared of robots. I am actually part robot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the idea is is crazy to me, and I. As the, you know, the mall experience has completely changed, right? You know, retail, retail is dying quickly. You know, I, I can just go online and buy the shirt. Even if I go to a clothing store now, I look at the shirt and I go home and I buy it online, you mm. know? Um, the idea of this food delivery, it's, it's the fastest growing segment there is in our industry, I firmly believe. And I fear it in the fact that it, it's going to isolate us. And I think we're social creatures. And I think it's important for us to go to these restaurants and eat and have that. But more and more people are just wanting to order and stay home. And that's fine to spend time with a family that's good and quality or your friends or whoever it is. But I really think it's important for us to to leave our lair, our cave and explore the world and go explore. The food that you make is going to be better in your restaurant or in your at the Crack Shack or in J&I because it's a, you've done the whole environment. Yeah. It's the service. It's the noise, the ambiance, the glassware, this. So the, the real experience is not just the food. It's the going out and celebrating life. But it is everybody's doing it, and so it's going. So you're concerned that socially it's, we're, it, it's enabling it's, us to withdraw more from yes. being like the creatures that we, we should be. But I think we all have to get on board and do it as business people. Got it. Uh, Bunch of malarkey. Aliens, they exist. This is a thing. Aliens exist on I, other planets. What I, do you... I love this. <laughs> um, I totally believe in aliens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. This, by the way, I don't ask that question to everyone. That, that's one that you... Oh, so, okay, aliens exist. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, ghosts are real. Oh, my gosh. So, the other night, I was hanging out uh, after... Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Okay. Usually when aliens just have a... When you when I bring up ghosts and someone's like, well, the other night, so this is going to be good. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I firmly believe in ghosts, and um, 
I hope nobody in San Diego who's looking to buy real estate uh, in my neighborhood in the near future. Um, but uh, I had to come home early because my kids were calling me up going, Dad, there's a ghost in the house. And I was like, no, there's not. And I was like, don't tell anyone. It's going to bring the property value down. <laughs> <laughs> or, so, up. So, or up. Or up. Depending yeah, on what type of ghost it is. about that. Right. Okay, uh, so so maybe so. May, well, no, we've uh, we've actually been buying smudge sticks and trying to clean up the the atmosphere of the I've house there, right now. I've been there. I've been there. The aroma of sage is flowing through the Malarkey household. Yes, right now it is. So it's very much Brian Malarkey. Okay, so uh, moving on from ghosts, ghost restaurants, digital restaurants. Have you heard of this craze? Where like you know, I it's not even a that. brick and mortar. It's just you know, you and I launch a restaurant digitally, and it's Blaze and Malarkey and. We're all just delivering food to people. It's got a digital storefront, and that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, doesn't Eric Greenspan do that kind of world? Yes. Uh, yeah, he's been on the pod, and he's in that sort of world. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes to the same sort of food delivery. I think that's perfect. Meal, meal I, think, kit I think that's perfect for that person that doesn't want a lot of large overhead, for the chef restaurateur that doesn't want the overhead, um, that still wants to be able to provide service for people. It's a huge... Um, it's a huge economy, and I think it's it's brilliant. Okay, but you're you're but you're it's a good idea, but you're not getting involved. Uh, who knows? Okay, at the end of the day, we'll, maybe we'll review all avenues. Sounds good. Okay, uh, food television was the best thing that ever happened to our industry. Like the launch of Food Network and shows like Top Chef and the whole thing, all, all shows in one big sum here were the uh, best thing that ever happened to us. Um, it certainly changed my life. Um, it certainly changed my life here in San Diego. Uh, the restaurants that I was working at the time uh, like increased their sales by over a million dollars the first year I was there. Um, it's really kept us being relevant. Is it a good thing at the end of the day? I think for entertainment value, it's wonderful. It's really great to get young people excited. How many little kids watch like, you know, you and I both judge and compete on guys' grocery games, which is a very fun, family-friendly show. And little kids come up like, shenanigans, what's up? And right. so, you know, if we're talking food, it's never a bad thing. And we're talking sustainability a lot and talking about, you know, feeding people. So I think it's a good thing. There's so many more bad things you could be doing in there. So maybe not the best thing that ever happened, but certainly Got it. Got not it. the worst. Um, I love what you said. So when you said like a restaurant increased X amount of percentage in sales, um, just off the top of your head, because your marketing guy doesn't have the analytics whipped up for us right now. But what do you think that percentage is? When I tell, when someone comes to me and they say, "Hey, Richard Blade," and this happens to me pretty frequently, to be honest, I got an opportunity to go on this show, or I'm, I'm thinking about going on Top Chef. Uh, should I go? And I'm like, well, the answer is always yes, because it's going to increase your business. What do you think the percentage is? Like, I think like roughly and loosely as to like if you're doing. Three million a year, and then you go on this show. You go through the run. Well, it's 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 a whole different thing, you know. Um, I, I think you and I both know that back in the day, again, when there wasn't all these other media outlets, it was huge. It was massively impactful. People, you know, went to Starbucks, and people like the people were watching that Top Chef. They didn't have all these other channels, all these like YouTube stations. They didn't have all those. And if you go on Chopped. You know, I've had a bunch of my line cooks, and I know you have too, that have been on Guy's Grocery Games or Chop. Sure. Yeah. You're going to get one episode or whatever, and it's going to be fun. I don't think you're going to get a huge percentage of increase in your sales, you know? If you do something bigger like, um, you know, Top Chef or like one of the chef's tables or one of those things, I think it will be much more impactful, but only as far as you run and only as good as you come out on the program. Right. But you think that it's about like that? Like, do you think it's just the 
exposure though but isn't isn't part of it just like what's inside of you because like you're oh i think, I think it's the great, most yeah, fun yes ever. you had an incredible run on top chef but i don't think your success is based off of your no no but chef. you're asking like how much exposure right. that brought and how many people you get some you know you got your pr people and you're getting some press on it you get to do some local tv like KUSI was at this morning um and you keep your name another re- shout out keeping the local <laughs> just, like, doing it. Keep, nice. uh but you keep your name relevant and you know it's a very competitive world we live in and a very competitive industry we're in so any little thing you can do to put your name out there is going to be a good thing so there's a percentage increase okay is it a bunch of malarkey or is it Brian Malarkey? Tra- traditional restaurant PR is dead. Oh, that's it's fun. Dead. I can't imagine that. This is it's dead. I don't know. Are there PR people in the room? There are. Sorry, I usually I have PR people in the room as well. So I get it. But like, and again, this is we're talking about traditional. Like the, yeah, the landscape I, has changed. I right? do believe that print ad is has lost its value. Print print ad. Print ad. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, Troy Johnson. You don't think banners are coming back? You don't think like traditional, like even like a digital print, like um. So print ad, dead. Okay. Dead. Um, I mean, how many publications are going out of business all the time right now? There's so many different ways to read about it. Yeah, maybe banner on your on your um, your streams that you're getting on your YouTube channels and all of that. I think that's very relevant. But nobody, you said traditional. Yeah. Okay. Nobody reads the newspaper anymore. Nobody reads the magazines anymore. It's all digital uh, presence. But I, I firmly believe that you still do need that PR. You need that contact with the people that are doing that. Everyone's right. evolving. And it's just not something you touch anymore. It's something you see. Right. So it's, uh, it's moved more towards uh, digital, you think, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Uh, we will never have another Anthony Bourdain. Is that a bunch of malarkey or is that? You'll never have another Anthony Bourdain. Okay. He was, he was an original. Uh, you will have people that will like, expose us to you know, um, different cuisines, different cultures, different ideas. You'll have other great storytellers. But Anthony Bourdain was a true original. And somebody that really, you know, exposed and changed the way we think about food and the way we eat and talk. And it's, uh, he was a phenomenal person. I, it was great. I had the opportunity to work with him for a while and hang out with him and smoke a few cigarettes with the gentleman at the time. And, you know, but uh, really just an incredible storyteller and a very passionate man. So that's it. That's a whole, so what happens to that void? How do we fill that in our industry then? Someone who like is speaking for the the people if you will and that's what he did i think so well yeah and you know what he did is he showed us what street food was and he showed us how to appreciate different cultures from around the world and so we we definitely have them in repeat and there's always going to be those things that we can see but before that we we weren't going to our neighborhood here we weren't as excited to go to convoy i was up on convoy that's a little area here in san diego on a saturday night there the other night and i'm telling you it was the sidewalks were packed and it was all different you know races all different uh degree of you know just people from all different uh walks of life and i really feel that is the anthony bourdain effect as he said all food is our food. Let's go experience it and really share it and have that idea of you know, reaching a little farther and getting out of our comfort zone. So I think he's done his job, and it's really amazing to see what all these, you know, the Korea towns and the different Chinese towns and all these different things that he's done, people are really embracing them, and it's, it's so much fun to see people just really get out of their comfort zone. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, maybe as impactful – well, no, this is – not as impactful as Tony Bourdain, but someone else also, also who is uh, incredibly important, perhaps in our industry, Salt Bay. <laughs> is Salt Bay a bunch of malarkey or is Salt Bay? 
You can't deny it. I will, I will call that one straight up a bunch of malarkey. Oh, my All gosh. Right. Hey, I hey, am hey. a Salt Bay fan. <laughs> I ride or die with Salt Bay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so you think that's just... It's, it's, just, it's brilliant. The guy grabbed social media. He came up with a shtick. He had propelled him. I love his story. I love seeing the pictures of him being a dishwasher and really just getting it. And he, he deserves it. The guy came up to the ranks. He worked it. He, he's crushing it. Um, he, he, he owns it. He, he figured out what, what works. Um, I just find it So very, we're not going to see a the salt, salt coming down salt the Salt Bay parody on coasting with Brian Malarkey. Not, not anytime not soon. Not going to happen soon. No. Um, I have a, uh, it's as controversial as are there aliens or ghosts, um, a theory on Salt Bay. Yes. My listeners know this, but I believe that there is more than one Salt Bay. Wow. I believe that there are at least a dozen Salt Bays. <laughs> I mean, you need to have, like, hey, your hair pinned back, sunglasses. He's always in sunglasses. Yeah. You just have to be really fit, a little tight, good. deep V-neck. I like this. This could right? be true, right? Because he's is, everywhere. Right. He can't, how can you be in Dubai and like Miami and New York? This is at wild. This There's more than one salt bay. I think, <laughs> and look, I, I think I've convinced the room that that's, uh, that's true. Okay. Um, stunt food. Stunt food. Now, when I say that, um, I mean, like, you know, you're on the Instagram, you're on the, 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 the Facebook and Twitter and all these things, YouTube, like it's a burger of the day. It's 29 burger patties and there's a sword through it and I'm going to pour a gallon of cheese over it and it's got a million likes. Yeah. Is stunt food the real deal or is it a bunch of malarkey? You know, it's so funny. We're developing a new menu right now for anime and we're doing the tastings we're going through the dishes and um i can't what dish was it the other day we're like going oh my god that's going to be the instagram dish i don't know if i'm i we don't go out to look and really kind of like over top to do a dish over the top to get the instagram followers but we know they're going to get pictures taken of them and which one's going to resonate the most you know and uh people do do huge stunt mm. dishes that really pull a lot of views um it's so funny we did a new octopus kind of salad the other day with these bitter greens and stuff uh didn't generate any interest on social media but i sell 30 of them a night at the restaurant and then i did this incredible bone marrow with uh fig fig toast and blue cheese and stuff and it went absolutely crazy so it's, it's kind of funny to try to pinpoint what the people are looking for and what they're trying to get and i think instagram is one of the biggest marketing tools we have by far right now for sure so i mean I, what i'm really attracted to here is like when you're developing a menu now are you like i said you're not intentionally designing something to be viral or are you no no because you could certainly really go over the top for it um but you know any any dish that has too many bells and whistles in it, too much going on, it's, it's not what we're doing. It's not what we want to do. And sometimes the simplicity actually takes off also. Um, but I'm, I, I think I find it very entertaining when you see those dishes that are just like, oh, my gosh, right. what is that? So you are know? you saying that anime will not have a Bloody Mary with, with a tiny corn dog? <laughs> no, no. There will not no. be a milkshake with also a slice of apple pie. Those are a... wild. They have taken it to a whole nother level, haven't they? Um, no, nothing like that quite yet. Uh, well, without even owning it, anime uh, is, is Asian themed. Yeah, it's um, we're calling it coal fire Asian inspired. Okay, so we're oh, doing kind of all nice rhyme. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, all charcoal cookery. Uh, we have the Jasper grills, uh, the little ribattas, and we're really just having a lot of fun with all kinds of different influences from all the different Asian cultures. 
uh, tied in with like then we'll throw in like a bunch of French stuff. You'll have a bunch of tarragon and dill and you know uh, really kind of messing with all the flavors and having fun with it. Oh, because I think that actually. That would be cool to, if you just had a viral menu at anime, <laughs> be, especially with like um, like with Japanese culture too. Like you know whether it's a Japanese uh, souffle pancake or yes. whether it's like you know a slice of raw wagyu. Like I just feel like there is that sort of like viral sensation of like of that food that's also delicious. Yes, yes. Maybe I'll do that. Yes. Maybe I'll open up next to anime. Please do. There is a, there's a room for you, actually. The building has – we have yeah. a big vacancy right next door to us. Let's do it. Because not to me. I Let's mean, take like, the show down I'm, the street a little ways. I'm in a hat right now, but like, I can get the hair to go <laughs> Dragon Ball Z style <laughs> You here. do have the hair. You and do we have can do Blazeme right next door. Uh, end of the podcast. Brian Malarkey, you're awesome, dude. Thank you so much. It took way too long to hook up and do this podcast. I am so thankful. Since we both live here. At the end of the show, we like to do something called 86 <laughs> – it's 86. Something in the world that you want to get rid of. It could be serious or not. It could be personal or not. Uh, what does Brian Malarkey want to 86? Um, I find that life is better with humor and stuff, and I wanted to do something so fun. But then when I was thinking about it, I was like going, if we had the opportunity to 86 one thing or to rub the, the genie bottle and make the one wish. And, you know, you kind of look at the, the way things are going and um, the, the whole idea, and this is, you know, don't think this is way too deep, but the whole idea of world hunger and in all seriousness, we can produce enough food on this planet to take care of and feed everybody. And I went and saw Paul McCartney the other day, and I don't know what this res- uh, resurgence of like the Beatles is lately, but the Beatles are very, very prevalent. They've got a new Netflix thing going on. Paul McCartney was amazing, telling stories. And then that Imagine John Lennon song comes on. And I'm telling my kids, I'm like going, this is probably the greatest song ever written. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of like there are no borders. There are no governments. They are, we are just here to take care of each other. And the idea is... We we can produce enough food to take care of everybody, and everybody has the things that they would do best at. So I'll go big and go world hunger. World hunger, food waste, so many things. So much waste. Uh, I will just quick, though, step on one line. The Beatles have never left, Brian. They're, they're people. Of, they're, Got a little never, quiet. They're not coming back. They're, not, <laughs> they're the Beatles. Because uh, someone is listening. He's like, what? What? <laughs> uh, dude, thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're awesome. Congratulations on all your success. I wouldn't be here in San Diego if it wasn't for you, dude. Uh, anything you need from us, let us know. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Do us a favor. Jump on over to iTunes and uh, write a review of this podcast because it helps with like algorithms and stuff as I look to the marketing and PR teams. Uh, and uh, hit subscribe. Do all of that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com.